Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The Slaughter Podcast will be discussing topics that some listeners may find disturbing. If you're still listening, you're a terrible person. Hi guys, welcome to episode 10 of Slaughter. Yes, Slaughter. That was a new one. I've not heard that before. It's very Southern. Is that honestly how he says it in his head? I think so. I told him about the apostrophe before I told him the name. <laughs> We've got a podcast and it's got an apostrophe in it. You look like you'd appreciate it. Um, so we're doing Dennis Nielsen today. Yes. Which is a big one. So we're going to cut the chat straight into murder. But keep listening because I know you're all excited to hear about what is going on with the Patreon. What is going on with the Patreon? I'll tell you at the end, Luce. Okay. Let's crack on to it. So born in 1945... Back in time. Uh, in Aberdeenshire, which when I was younger, I thought was abroad. Well, it's another country. Yeah, but I thought it was abroad abroad. As in another country? As in over the sea. That's not what abroad means. <laughs> Is it abroad? It can't. For <laughs> <laughs> Scotland, it's not abroad. Until they're independent, we don't care. While you're living under my roof... <laughs> He'll do what I say. Okay? <laughs> and he, he fucks with my theory of murderers a little bit. He's not named after his dad. He's not the oldest son. He doesn't have a blow to the head. Um, a middle child to Elizabeth White and Olav Mokshime. The Norwegian. He went, yeah, and he went by Nilsson. Um, so he didn't even have the same name as either parent, but um, I think the dad did that thing, like, my family, when they moved from Poland, had a really Polish name. And then they changed it to something. So it wasn't... If this seems disjointed, it's because I just loudly went on about Lucy's actual surname (laughs) for quite a long amount of time before realising... Shh. (laughs) Realising. You have to donate $200 to get the surname. (laughs) $100 and you can find out where we live. So it's really skewed. So, yeah, they moved over and changed the name to Nielsen because Mokshaim was obviously... Too much effort for anyone. They were always getting the, getting it wrong on the takeaway. Um, the parents had quite a difficult marriage. Uh, the father basically was like an absent father. He was just like off. Um, he where was in then? the Norwegian forces. So oh. he did that thing where like they go away for like six months and come back for like a month and then they go away for six months. Um, and eventually he just didn't come back. He just abandoned them. I don't know. If they, well, it is a ball lake. You're going back to Scotland. Yeah. I mean, it's remote, so... He, uh, yeah, he just changed his mind. So 
Nilsson had um, a very lonely childhood. Um, it, they made a big deal on the documentaries that I was watching that he had a pet rabbit that died one winter and he was really upset that everyone said he'd starved it to death. And I, I had... I probably a, did. I had a rabbit that I... I didn't starve it to death, but I don't think I fed it as often as I could. And I've still got a scar where it bit me on my finger. But I still have dreams now that the rabbit's still in the garden and it's been like 25 years and I've just forgotten to feed it and it's like all like decrepit and gross. And I'm like, oh, I've totally forgot about this rabbit for 25 years. I should probably feed it. And it still haunts me, I swear. That is why they give people rabbits though. Like children will nag for a pet. They want a dog or a horse. And parents will be like, no, we'll give you a rabbit or a hamster or a gerbil because they know you're going to kill it just so they can say, told you so, we knew you weren't ready for a dog. But rabbits are proper classic. They're made to die. No. That's what they do them for. But people have house rabbits and they're basically like a dog that can't control its A dog that can't. (laughs) But at least the poo's more palatable. Tweet us if you have a proper rabbit that's like a dog. I'm not interested. (laughs) Fair enough. Don't fucking tweet us. (laughs) Um, he was really close to his grandfather, uh, who he went on long walks with, um, and he said that that was probably the happiest that he ever was, um, and uh, he spent a lot of time with his grandfather, but his grandfather suffered a heart attack while he went out fishing, and he died, um, and Nielsen went and visited his grandfather's body before it was buried, and everyone kept saying, he's sleeping, one day you'll be with him, he's in a better place, and all this jive, as he said to kids. Um, yeah, I heard quite a lot about that. Um, that this was supposed to be some really significant moment in his life this time. And I was just thinking, well, you know what? If there's one thing that all grandparents do, they die. They die. Like they're they're super, like by nature they're a lot older than you, and they're gonna go. Like yeah. I don't think having a dead granddad like. But it's so changeable, isn't it? Like the relationship you have with your grandparents, like. When I was younger, it's like, oh, grandparents died. And, you, like, nowadays you think, like, there's some kids who are basically brought up by their grandparents and it's really traumatic yeah. for them. Whereas for others, it's like, oh, I barely saw them anyway. Oh, grandparents died, whatever. So it's kind of like, sometimes it's almost like losing a parent. Yeah, you're not going to convince me. Because number two, he was six fucking years old. I remember nothing from when I was yeah, six but... years old. Those memories weren't significant. And he was, like, your dad to him. He was, like, the father figure. Number three... Point three. And they lived with him. Okay, they lived, they but, lived um, with him. But like the, I think it's the way it was put to me. He's like, so Brian Masters was the official biographer of Dennis Nilsson. Yeah. And like, he's done books and he's done loads of interviews and he's out there. Like, he is definitely hanging on the coattails of Nilsson. But he he's keeps, laid his career out. He has. Killer. And he was accused of sympathising with him and then he went the other way. Anyway. Um, he said several times this that this open casket thing was like a really significant memory. Yeah, and he actually said that this was when Nilsson's idea of death and love fused. Yeah, is I that what you got? That. And I was like, no. I, How I hot did was... his granddad look? For him yeah. to be like, oh, well, that's why <laughs> death I is out. sexy I like, now. I think that's a big leap that he started fancying his granddad because he died. Like I was yeah. like, eh, it's like not I mean, quite that. I know they pay people to put makeup on the bodies so they don't look <laughs> so grim, but unless they dragged him up, like <laughs> it's not <laughs> happening for me. Two favorite things together: murder and drag. Like, oh, granddad, this contour looks delightful. 
starting to feel certain things. I'm becoming a gay. (laughs) (laughs) There's one thing I know, it's that you don't make someone gay by making a man look like a woman. (laughs) That's definitely not how it works. If you had to, if you were like, can you come up with a plan to turn this person gay? I would say step one is I'll drag up a man so he looks like a hot woman. Mm. That's step one of my plan. Step two is to stop talking about this because your plan is very flawed. I'll I didn't. Someone, like someone asked me to come like. up with the plan. I'm not like I didn't want to do this plan. It became much quieter after his grandfather died. Um, and he stopped participating in family activities. Oh, far less weird. He stopped participating in family activities. He d- stopped wanting affection from his family. Growing he just, up, he just became a teenager. Like yeah, that's exactly what every child becomes. Stop sticking your tongue in my ear. His brother was popular, um, which made things a little bit more awkward. And he was closest to his sister. Um, but, like, he just wanted to be on his own, like, basically all teenagers. Like, my niece, who was here at Christmas, literally spent the whole time on an iPad in a different room to everyone else. And she's not even 13 yet. No, like, you don't want to. That's life. Um, so, Nilsen's mother moved um, the children and, obviously, herself into a flat. And she married a builder called Andrew Scott, who apparently was a stand-up guy. He was a good stepfather to Nilsen. Um... Nilsson did not that. his fault, basically. <laughs> yeah. Can't blame me. Nilsson hated him at first, but I mean, you would, wouldn't you? And then eventually sort of got used to him and just thought it was okay. As a teenager, um, the way it was phrased where I read it was he discovered he was gay. Like some sort of like, like he found it in the closet. You are gay. Um, but uh, so he, he began to realise that he was gay, but he didn't come out. He didn't tell his family. He kind of kept it very quiet. Um, he was basically quite ashamed and afraid of what people would say. Um, he realised... They say, to be honest, Dennis, the way you fancied your granddad kind of had a hickling. <laughs> um, no straight man fancies the granddad like that. He must be a gay. Um, so he, he realised... I mean, your granddad was fucking hot. Especially when he was dead. I don't know where you're going with this. I don't know where you can go with this. <laughs> I mean, that's the end of the story, to be honest. Okay. He Nilsson realised that he quite liked younger boys who looked a bit similar to his sister. So he, he kind of thought, maybe I'm not gay, I just fancy my sister. And it was very weird. So to check, he fondled his sister. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not the greatest way of finding out. So you... He fondled her, and then he later stated that he also fondled his brother when his brother was asleep. Um, which, if you listen to Lou Reed's The Internet, is nothing compared to what some of those fuckers do on those forums. There's a lot of panty sniffing going on of like mum's ancestors. Oh. It's just grim. So he kind of he grew up, became a young man, joined the army after leaving school um, and training as an army chef. Because that's a healthy job. For anyone who's, you know, a bit on the edge, had a quite a fucked up childhood, like, what we really want to do is train you to kill people. Yeah. But, um, to be fair... When you're not killing, you can be chopping up food. Just so long <laughs> as whatever you're doing involves chopping things to bits. Yeah. If, we're happy. If I was going to become... Channel all that chopping energy into war and cooking. If I was going to join the army, Sorry. I'd want to be a chef. Like, that's the least frontline job. 
you're safely in the kitchen feeding the men and you learn a skill you're getting paid to train I think it'd be good and what do all chefs become? alcoholic yeah he became an alcoholic as well nice which I have had confirmed by one man on the Facebook group to be true so you fell in love with a soldier who didn't like him back and we all know when you're about 18, 19 unrequired love is the worst the fucking worst the worst and he um, he found that by drinking alcohol it kind of helped him cope with his shyness quite a lot and him and his friends would get really really drunk and then sort of like pass out yeah I heard this that some people like it wasn't sure if they were drinking to pass out or if he was like acting up being like oh I'm so drunk oh I'm just falling on top of you oh I can't control (laughs) my limbs sort of thing yeah apparently he he would pretend to be more drunk in the hopes that they would sort of grope him which is I mean He's basically date raping himself. You'd have to sort of cut a hole in the crotch area and like let it swing around to be like, to get it in people's heads. Yeah, no, he's like that's next level desperate. Like, I'm not, <laughs> yeah. this, he's gone from right. So I'm hanging around here. Nobody's molesting me. I'll just have to drug myself, get myself in a state, and then oh, I'm so drunk. I'm just gonna take these clothes off and lie on the floor. I'm so drunk. I'm just gonna keep. Jumping up and down, doing squats, and hopefully a dick will enter me. <laughs> so he and he found it really sick. And he started like fantasizing about like when he saw them. Like he didn't. Well, he probably did touch them up, but he, he doesn't say that he touched them up. But he like he started to think about like, oh, it's really hard that they're like incapacitated and unconscious, and like I would like to do shit to them. See, I can get more on board with that. Like, not the love and death fused at granddad's funeral, but I can get on board with if, like, your first major sexual experiences are all around this passing out. Like, you can't do, like, they wouldn't engage in the homosexual acts unless they had the excuse of being pass out drunk. Like, then I can get on board with how his idea of, like, sex and his sexual fantasies were linked with somebody being completely paralytic and completely, like, out of... Well, like, if you're pretending to be asleep... Someone's got to do all the work in the sex. <laughs> you could just lie there. Pillow princess. Yeah. So, so um, he was changed jobs. What, you're just saying he's lazy? <laughs> he was a lazy shagger, that's what I'm saying. No, he wanted to be the one that wasn't unconscious, though, didn't he, really? Um, he was posted as a cook in Yemen, um, and that was... A 15, re- Yemen Road, Yemen. Is that Friends? Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, where have I heard of Yemen? But yeah, um, it was in France. That's also where you can send things to us. <laughs> 15 Yemen Road or Yemen. Um, so this was dangerous uh, because the prison was constantly being ambushed and a lot of the people, well, a few of the people working there died. And he was actually, this is one of my favourite Nilsson stories, he was actually kidnapped by an Arab taxi driver who what? beat him unconscious and then put him in the back of a taxi in the boot. And um, do we think this is true? Uh, I guess so. Um, so he was, un- I mean, if there's anything that Nilsson wants is to be unconscious in the back of a taxi, surely. Oh yeah, he just bloody loved that. <laughs> so what he did was like, he came to and he waited for the guy to drag him out of the taxi and he grabbed the jack that you used to lift yeah. up the car and he beat the taxi driver knocked him unconscious then put him in the back of the taxi and drove off you think that's a knife 
this is a knife. Yeah. I mean, it's like almost... You think you can do rape play? You've not met Nilsson. If he wasn't so fucked up, it'd be almost like Jack Bauer, wouldn't he it? He picked like... the wrong fucker <laughs> to knock out. So, um... This experience sort of gradually worked its way into his sexual fantasies as well. He was kind yeah, of like, he's oh. just in the back of that taxi, like, oh god, I am loving this. <laughs> yeah, I'm bloody loving it. Um, so Nilsson returned to Britain and he was assigned to Plymouth. He worked there for a year and then he was sent to Berlin. Um, and this was the first time he had sex. He had sex with a woman, he had sex with a prostitute. And what he said of the experience was it was overrated and depressing. <laughs> Which, I mean, she might She was have... moving too much. <laughs> yeah. And there was a lot of vagina involved. I was hoping for a lot less vagina. Too much I was really parts. thinking that, you know, like, the vagina was rubbish. The clit was amazing. If that clit could be longer, <laughs> like, loads longer, and with semen coming out of it, then I think I could get on board with this prostitute. Yeah, yeah so, top notch. Um, when he did visit family, Nelson's mum would be very vocal about wanting Nilsson to find a wife and settle down, as many parents are. So he kind of got the nagging when he went home. Um, yeah. As you all know. Um, he was given a supervisor job in Kentish Town. That kind of... That was the end of him moving around. So he moved to London um, and he stayed there um, and worked there until he was arrested. So in 1975, uh, he saved a 20-year-old called David Galachan. Uh, he was being threatened outside a pub and Nilsson was walking past and he kind uh-huh. of like stopped the guys from threatening this guy um, and he said to the guy do you want to come round and sort of drink at my house and um, the two sort of hung out drinking uh, and then they he kind of never left they sort of both moved in together and they lived together uh, for quite a while they redecorated the ha- the flat they furnished it oh are these the ones where they got the dog uh, I, did, I didn't hear about that. Yes, they got a dog together and they called him Bleep. No. And I was really confused because the whole time when I was watching these documentaries, they kept talking about the dog Bleep. I was like, is that the dog's name or is the dog called Cun and they're just having to say Bleep? Because <laughs> <laughs> they, they can't say it out loud. <sighs> and Nilsson sort of became a bit of a house husband. Uh, not house husband. Uh, like the breadwinner so he was paying and um, Galachan was just sort of living off him because he didn't oh, okay. really fancy working and Nilsson had quite a good job he was a supervisor um, so he brought the money home and gave it to Galachan and it was almost like domestic yeah. bliss a little bit it was nice but the relationship it was basically based on the fact that Nilsson wanted to be with a man and he'd run into this guy yeah. Galachan didn't really want to work and this guy They'd was just rich. fallen into yeah. it so it was just convenient. They began sleeping separately in separate beds. They had sex with the men. They argued. And Nilsson basically said, can you leave now? Which is one step up from just murdering him to get rid of him. Yeah, like he, wasn't, he obviously wasn't there yet. Yeah. Um, so Nilsson was now living alone. And at this point he began the murders. So this is when it all started to kick off. No, yeah, he definitely had the dog bleep. Because the whole time I remember thinking like, you're not lonely, you've got a dog yeah like pay more attention to the dog and it's funny how people will like people will do the most foul murders but if you think of the idea of cutting a dog's legs off don't you think like that's really fucked up what isn't that horrendous why what are you saying think of what this guy did it's terrible you're like oh my god that's the worst thing I've ever heard 
cutting a dog's leg. You just up. put it to me out of the blue. I was like, why? Well, because I was thinking, like, I was just thinking about how I might chop up a dog. <laughs> no, I was just thinking how far you up. have a dog. This is what's scaring yeah, me. Yeah, I can't cut his legs off. Don't try and cut his legs. Like, no one's asking you to cut his legs I don't off. Want to. Lucy, please don't. I'd rather cut off a man's legs than my dog's legs. So Nilsson was now living alone, um, and uh, he had sort of a demographic of people that he killed. He only killed men. And most of his victims were men who he met in local bars. And it was kind of like the expectation. It was like a one night stand or people that he'd invite around. And quite often it was sort of, it said homeless, but I think it was more like drifters who were out drinking rather than literally just going on the street and saying, you're homeless. Do you want to come back with me? Yeah. Just like, like, I don't think you'd go for like, just not really in stable environments. Yeah. Sort of like guys who'd like sort of run away from home or like yeah. sort of would sort of like the kids from the Operation Orchid yeah situation like I mean around I mean this was a similar sort of time like late 70s yeah early 80s like if you were a young man who'd run away to London like if you didn't get fucking kidnapped by Cook and his gang you were getting strangled and fucked by Dennis <laughs> Nielsen like don't go the problem is no one's coming back alive to tell the other young boys don't go London they just yeah. never hear from them again. That like, London's amazing. We never hear from them again. Yeah, because they're all getting raped to shit. Have you heard? Have you read the book um, Stone Cold? Nope. It's a book that a lot of people study in like year eight, year nine, and it's really similar. It's about a weird old man who targets young homeless men and women. Now it's it's for kids. So there's nothing sexual in it, but he does he murders them and puts them under his floorboards. I loved studying it because I was like, yes, we get to talk about murder. But um, it's really similar to Nilsson. I think it must be based on him. Possibly. It but um, it's it's quite a good book, but it's like, it's one of those ones that you can see like why you'd study it. It's like, it, this book is trying to teach me things. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. trying to educate me. So Nilsson definitely killed for the bodies rather than enjoying the murder process, I would say. Yeah, I got that impression that he didn't actually like having to kill them yeah he just wanted sort of the end goal of the of the bodies and he was sort of considered a fairly good talker as well and he was sort of sort of charming in the i i mean i don't think that he was that charming i think he was just a person who could hold a conversation to be honest but there's all this talk of him being to be honest when i watched the police interviews like without subtitles i had no hope (laughs) they probably just he was just some little scottish man he spoke really fast I just think they didn't know what he was saying. I think they were just smiling and nodding away, like, yeah. oh, yes, Dennis. <laughs> He's, like, motioning towards his house. They're just like, oh, I guess I better go. <laughs> so the first murder was in 1978, uh, and it was Stephen Holmes was the first victim. And this was, um, I guess it was out of the blue, because he hadn't, it didn't sort of build up to where, I know he'd sort of groped people in their sleep, but it was just straight away just a murder. So it was a young lad drinking in the local pub, and uh, Nilsson invited him back and they carried on drinking and then they both fell asleep. Nilsson woke up and obviously saw Stephen Holmes sleeping and just strangled him and drowned him in a bucket. Um, he then masturbated himself over the body a couple of times. Um, this is from his recollection. And then concealed the body under the floorboards and eventually burned it in the garden months later. And he sort of started as he meant to go on because that's pretty much how he murdered yeah. most of them. Like, I heard that he said, like, yeah, nothing I'd heard they could come up with a motive for why yeah. he did that first killing. But it said that afterwards, 
when he saw him lying dead, like he had a feeling of benevolence over him. Like mm. he felt like he looked so peaceful and he just wanted to take care of it. And like in between all the wankings, like he'd wash him. He kept giving him a bath. Yeah. Giving him a bath, put him in a way, being like, oh, he's rotting a bit. Give him another bath. Put him mm. And he enjoyed like the taking care of him. Yeah. Which makes me think he should have just got a real doll. He's already got a fucking dog. Let's just remember, he's got. If you want to bath something, bath the dog. Although he didn't fancy the dog. If he just this would all be so much better. If he. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You could just, you know, take it that little bit further and get into bestiality. <laughs> this could all have been saved. Not the dog. Not the dog. No, but he, like, he would have loved a real doll. There's people who wash them and like sit, and, sit with them in the chair. Like if you just got a real doll, they're really realistic. He would have been set. Done. Are you trying to convince me to buy a real doll? But do you want to make are you, are you Are you working on commission for real dolls? <laughs> I was thinking, I put that, I think you should get one of those boyfriend pillows. Have you seen them where it's like a big pillow with an arm so you can cuddle it in bed? So then in 1979, um, he attempted murder of Andrew Ho, who was a student from Hong Kong. Um, and Ho managed to get away. What you calling me? And he told the police as well, but he didn't press any charges. I think because he just thought, how can I prove this? Kind of makes me look weird going back to some guy's house. Yeah. Kind of, I guess it's like a lot of like, oh, I shouldn't have gone back. It makes me look like stupid. Well, in a similar way that people feel weird about reporting a rape, like you don't think you're going to get taken seriously. There's automatically people that are going to put blame on you and judge you for what the situation you were in yeah. and stuff like that. Particularly in the 70s, where they're not completely non-homophobic, really. Particularly the police. There is this kind of, like... 
sort of hesitation, isn't there? Um, and then there was Kenneth Ockenden, so this is Victor number two in 1979, so the same year. Um, and that was a Canadian student who was visiting his English relatives. Um, and they met in a pub and Nilsson told him he would show Ockenden the sights. And basically, he was couch surfing. Yeah. So he was like, come and stay at mine. Now, we did a lot of this in America. And we, <laughs> I don't know if, I, after reading all this, I don't know if I do it now, but basically, Emma and I, we used an app, but we just stayed with random people on their sofa, yeah, or I on their beds. We, until we were Not at, on their beds. There was very Better. little concern over who we might be meeting. Like, I don't remember thinking, like, the first oh, time, what if they murder us? I just remember, like, yeah, give us a bed. Oh, it's free. This is amazing. Like, the I, first time was, like, a weird little house in the woods. And that was when I was most panicked, the first time we couch surfed. When we arrived at his house, it was terrifying. It wasn't a house. I don't think most. I don't think most people would do that, and I don't think most young was women filthy. in a pair would do it. It was filthy, and he made like he just put mattresses on the floor in the spare room, and like on the floor there were like leaves and things. Like there was like dirt, and and they were like, "Oops, we've not got any curtains up here. I'll put a towel at the window." Oh no, the towel smells so bad. He would offer to sort of show them the sights in a sort of couch surfing, offering a bed way, and then. Um, so the pair, the pair, Nilsson and the guy went back to his house, um, carried on drinking, and then Nilsson uh, strangled him with the cord of some headphones. Now I don't, I don't know how that worked because headphones are freaking flimsy. It must have been some of those big beast ones that oh, you. Oh yeah, like, they wouldn't have had earbuds wire. Then. Yeah. So it would be like one of those, like, I guess Craig David. Yeah, the Craig David ones. Um, and then this time, Nilsson photographed the the body in different poses, which is why I thought he would really like a real doll, because he's kind of like, he likes the animation of the lifeless. He likes um, being in control of them, like, I can dress you up, I can, you know, put you in this position. Yeah. And with Kenneth Ockenden, he put the body under the floorboard, but he kept taking it out just to sit in a chair and watch TV with it. So, again, that's really sort of weird, sort of, I imagine walking in on that. <laughs> I think it's, it's just bizarre. Freaky. And like, again, like, I think this is probably why Brian Masters, the autobiographer, um, the biographer, sorry, um, why people accused him of sympathising with Nilsson because he went on about how lonely he was and how he was just killing for company. And I think, no, because he could have had company if he wanted it. Like, he had the yeah. dog. He could have had people. He was obviously able to invite people around. He didn't he did. want... He invited people around and didn't kill them all the yeah, time. Yeah, but this is what I mean. He didn't, he didn't want company. He wanted somebody that he could be in control of. Yeah. If he wanted to sit and watch TV and be social, he could have done it. What he wanted was somebody there who wasn't questioning him, who wasn't getting his way he just wanted to feel like there was a person there but he didn't actually want somebody else and also i think at the beginning he did invite people around and sort of have like flings with people but i guess once you've got the smell of rotten flesh in your house that that becomes a little bit more you have to kill them in order to get them to stay yeah he'd become nose blind (laughs) he must have done it's like there was by the end there was that many bodies and he made no effort to preserve it i mean he tried like He's removing the flesh and stuff. But the smell must have clung to him, oh. like, when he was out and about at his job. Like, I mean, he worked in a job centre towards the end, which already has, like, the stench of desperation. <laughs> so then added to that the stench of death that Nilsson was bringing in. The cadavers. No wonder unemployment was so rife in the 70s. It was Nilsson. <laughs> Do you want a job? Not if you smell like that, no. No. Um, so Martin Duffy was the third victim. 
this is a catering student from Birkenhead and he um was oh bless him he'd he hadn't played his train fare and um so he the police came and questioned him about it and he just freaked out he was like i'm gonna go to jail and he'd run away from home because he was so afraid so he'd hitchhike to london from birkenhead because he didn't want to get told off he'd been sleeping for four days rough and Nielsen offered him food and a bed, which again is so similar to Stone Cold, where he sort of targets people who are sleeping rough and says, I'll give you a bed and board if you come to my house. So Nielsen strangled Duffy uh, once he'd fallen on the street asleep, and again he drowned him, so this time in the kitchen sink. And then he took a bath with him, and he was like kissing, caressing the body, using it for sexual gratification for a couple of days, and then it became bloated, and he said, well, Yeah, I'm not interested anymore. Not interested in fatties. <laughs> Yeah, such a fattest. Like that's what happens in a relationship, Dennis. <laughs> they get comfortable and they put in a little bit of weight. Sure, it might be water retention. Maybe lay off the baths. Like it's your kind of your own fault. <laughs> so and then then he killed five more people. One was David Sutherland, but a lot of them are totally unidentified. So it's scary to think that people still don't know who these yeah. people were I mean it was amazing how they found some of them because I don't know if you were going to mention it but when they were trying to identify some of them the way that they found Kenneth Ockenden that you mentioned earlier yeah. was because he was a missing person and they thought oh he's new around like um, Nielsen usually showing people around so they found an A to Z of London in yeah. Nielsen's flat and then they used like fingerprinting where they dusted every page and scanned it into the machine every single page wow. of the A to Z and they found on like page 75 a thumbprint that belonged to sure. Kenneth Ock half a thumbprint it said that's on the corner amazing. of a page I think like that's dedication that's not lazy piece work that is not they like went them. fucking hard to find it yeah that's good and um, so the bodies began to stink and the maggots were crawling out of them Nilsson reportedly saying that he'd like he looked at them and there were like maggots crawling out of the eye sockets and stuff I mean really truly horrendous stuff and um, so the end of 1980 he burned the bodies in the garden and to hide the smell of burning rotten flesh oh, he yeah. stuck a tyre on the top yeah. which does smell like shit burning tyres yeah I mean, it's like, obviously it's a horrible smell but it's still a smell that's going to arouse suspicion like <laughs> oh like if it's burning flesh like, like just a driver who like drives the, in London no fucker well if you're driving you can't burn your tyres if you're going to drive <laughs> true but like does you know when we talk about burning flesh like is I've never smelt a human on fire thankfully touch wood but does it not sort of smell like a barbecue probably not if it's rotten I imagine because I'm thinking like if he's just burning the body people could be like hmm <laughs> Love chops. Yeah. Whereas if you're burning rubber, people are like, what on earth is he doing? Like, you don't burn rubber in your own garden. I'd also, burning Inhale bodies. the toxic fumes. It's not like the bodies are just... I mean, they're mostly water, surely. It's going to be really difficult. Well, after all those baths soaking it up. Yeah. It's going to be really... I mean, it'd be hard to burn a body. Well, like, It's not like kindling, is it? I mean, he experimented with quite a few different things that, like he'd tried to boil the flesh off some of the skulls or he tried to remove the innards like 
he was definitely he'd been like faffing around with him. He'd be, he'd been making like I think trying more this, of that, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. So in 1981, he met a young Scottish man and he wanted the Scottish man to come back to his flat. How do you think he got him to go back to his flat? He said, I've got some puppies for sale. <laughs> no. Um, he said, not puppies. Shit. That's the only reason I'd go back to How someone's house. How do you house. get a Scottish bloke to go? Oh, a Scottish bloke. Whiskey. Yeah. He challenged him to a drinking competition. Yes. Done. Um, so uh, Malcolm Barley was his name I mean we've had Kenneth we've got Malcolm now I've got some fucking puppies and whiskey <laughs> so the young Scottish man um, he committed murder in the same way they had done before the next victim was Malcolm Barley a 23 year old and he was having an epileptic fit just outside of Nilsson's house have you heard of this? no no he was he was having an epileptic episode and he was almost dying basically and um oh he bloody loved that didn't he Nilsson? he didn't he phoned the ambulance what he saved his life he phoned the ambulance he got taken to hospital he was sort of resuscitated he was brought back to life he was fine he went back the next day to thank Nilsson. Nilsson said i'll cook you dinner murdered him it's so it's so weird isn't it that he would just he would go to the effort of saving the man and then it's it's almost like one day he wanted to murder and one day he didn't rather than like I want to murder everyone all of the time. Or it also goes... Maybe it just all goes back to that control thing. Like, the maybe. guy's having a fit outside his house. It wasn't... He would have to get the body. Oh, it's like, whereas, I can't bother doing murder. I'll do one tomorrow. Yeah, like, no, but in his environment. Like, in my house, like, put some Lionel Richie on, you know, glass of wine. Shaved. Well, I did hear that he had to get blinding drunk to do it really like, but he knew he'd do it but to deal with the bodies and stuff he'd all well he said this afterwards I don't know whether to sort of diminish his responsibility yeah. but said he would have to get like crazy drunk he moved out of his uh, original house and he moved to Cranley Gardens which is the house that he because I was reading through and I was like oh right that's it the end no I mean it's only part way through these murders I mean it's ridiculous the number of victims he had um, and this house had no garden and low floorboards um, to put ba- bodies under. So he obviously had to come up with a different way. He didn't really look around that before he bought it then, did he? <laughs> I know, if you're, if you're going to murder people and that's the way of disposing of the bodies, you'd think you'd consider it. But I guess it's London, Slim Pickens. This is, the, is this the top floor flat? Um, I don't know. I know the other one was the bottom floor and he'd negotiated having private use of the garden. But this one, I'm not sure what floor it was on. Um, And he... So he... His next victim was called Paul Nobbs. And... um, Sorry, we're not... Yeah, his name's funny and I know he's a victim, but just to give some context to that laugh... (laughs) Yeah, we had a friend called Something Hobbs and for the whole of his school life we called him whatever his name was, Nobbs. He did love it, like he wasn't... He enjoyed it. He thought, like, we made him cool. (laughs) We used to just turn up at his house as well and just be like... Like, Oh, yeah. Um, Burn me a Green Day CD. Paul Nobbs. Paul Nobbs got away. Oh, yes. No, I think I've seen this guy. This guy. So there were two that got away. There was Andrew Ho and Paul Nobbs. So the rule yeah, is have like, a funny name. Like he was still strangled. Yeah. He was still strangled, still attempted to drown him. But for whatever reason, he was able to wake up and he let him go. No, that's different. There was one guy who he strangled yeah. and then he we're tried to yet. drown him. And then he was in a coma for like three days, but he just let him go. Poor Nobbs ran away before oh, he was okay. Sorry. Um John Howlett, 
fought back. He left marks on Nilsson, but he still died. And then in 1982, the one you're thinking of is Carl Stotter. Yes. He was 21-year-old. Yes. And he was picked up in a pub. And um, Nilsson tried to drown him. Um, and he thought he had. But then he wasn't dead. And when he realised he wasn't dead, he sort of resuscitated him. And it, he stayed at the flat for two days. It's almost like in that moment, I want to kill you, but then it didn't work. And he's like, oh, well, the moment's I don't want to do it now. So he left after two days and he was strong enough to leave. And again, didn't tell the police. I think he was like, he, Nilsson told him, oh, I thought I thought you were dying. So I put you in the bath to sort of resuscitate you. Whereas really he'd been trying to drown him. It was just... It really was really weird. sad because then I saw an interview with this guy and he was saying like, oh, I've really struggled for the last 20 years, however many years, with was this guy my killer or was this guy my saviour? Because I know that he saved my life without him, I'd be dead. I was like, no, he's definitely your killer, mate. Yeah, no. if, you hadn't have, if you hadn't definitely have met him, you'd have you. been fine. Yeah. So Nilsson then, his, obviously his work career was fine, not inflicted by this because he got a promotion to executive officer. Do you think that's just because they wanted to put him in an office so no one else would have to deal with his stink? Possibly. Um, and soon after that, he met Graham Allen, who was 27. Probably his oldest victim. He's been going for like 20 years. Right, 27 20. is a spring chicken. Look, on X Factor, you'd be in the like adult group. Just. The mature group at 27. Um, they got in the same taxi. And Nilsson invited him over. And then he strangled him. And he kept the body in the bath. And then he dissected it. So he'd started doing these dissections now, which is obviously what he'd learnt in the army. He'd learnt to cut up bodies. And that was his way of hiding them now. And he just hid them around the house. So, 1983, another victim. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, so this is his last one. Stephen oh Sinclair. I know. Good God. Um, as usual, he strangled him. And then it was weird because he strangled him. And um, Stephen Sinclair had depression. And he'd recently tried to kill himself. And uh, Nilsson, once he was dead, put bandages over his slush marks on his wrists. And it's sort of like he was like trying to heal him. him. Um, and he dissected the body. Yeah, it was really good. Put bandage on these cotton cuts, but then I will hack you to And he, again, he hit the parts around the house. And he tried to flush the flesh, the organs, and the small bones down the toilet. Um, he also boiled the heads and the hands of the feet of a lot of his victims. Um, not to eat, I think, just to try and get rid of it. Yeah, I think he realised that the flesh is the bit that's going to cause the stank. Yeah. Like, and trying just to get rid of it in any way. Just don't murder anyone. That's one good way. Prevention. I mean, it was mental. Like, his house was, like, the creepiest treasure hunt. Like, it was just... <laughs> they were squirrelled away. Like, you'd look, yeah. at, you'd look at a room, looks perfectly normal, and then in every crevice, under every chair and floor like there's a little bag with something yeah. hidden in but it's weird to think that there might have been people who were he was just hooking up with that he didn't murder who were staying there surrounded by all you these known, bodies you although i don't know like i've been to some nasty <laughs> there was one when i was at uni there's one guy i went back to his house and I was like, because obviously I was still at university, I was like, oh my God, he has his own house. This is amazing. <laughs> Got in and it was... Still amazing. <laughs> no, it was the filthiest thing I've ever <gasps> been to. No. Like his toilet was like 
I don't know what colour that toilet would have been because it was just brown entirely. The kitchen, I was like, oh, can I have a drink of water? There was not a single piece of crockery or cutlery or anything that wasn't piled up dirty. I was so uncomfortable, like, obviously did whatever woke up at like 3am and just started washing up i was like i really? can't i was like i can't sleep knowing that it's in there it's disgusting <laughs> oh my god if i have you around again no i was like no thank you <laughs> did you tell him it was foul yes so the only reason that nilson was discovered was because neighbors um had called someone to fix the horrible stink that was in drains and they were all clogging up um so a uh, worker came out to look at the drains called Michael Catron and he lifted the drain cover and saw like a flesh-like substance and he was like, this is not normal. Is this, this is the guy that gross. said, that was like, oh, I've not worked here long but I know that's not shit. <laughs> yeah. And um, so on the way out, he said to Lilson and his neighbour who were sort of hanging around to see how it was going and he said, that's That's weird. I'm going to come back tomorrow and have a look at it. And when they got back the next day, it was all cleaned up. The drain was clean. And so obviously he thought, well, that's weird. He'd been so out and cleaned an entire Nilsen, drain. Nilsen had gone and... Well, you would, wouldn't you? Well, no, because then it's really fucking suspicious. Well, well I suppose less suspicious than pieces. flesh. So they kept on looking and they found bones in some of the pipes anyway. And Nilsen apparently said, oh, I think someone's been flushing Kentucky Fried Chicken down these pipes. Because uh-huh. <laughs> that's what you do. Um, and they called the police and they sent the bones off for analysis um, and they questioned Nilsson and he basically started giving a full confession as some some murderers do yeah so he I was, saw that like literally they took put him in they thought he'd killed one person put him yeah. in the police car like with no restraints because he was super calm and he just sat in the back of the car and went yeah I think there's about 15 or 16 bodies yeah. and like the police officer who was driving said in one of the interviews later he was like I did not know what to do I was like he's got no handcuffs on like yeah. he's one of the worst serial killers we've ever had yeah because they thought it was one or two didn't they mm-hmm. uh, so he was found guilty of six counts of murder um, and two attempted murders and he was jailed for life um, and he still maintains that he doesn't know why he did it he still has no idea just like he felt he needed to so the Cranley Gardens flat uh, was sold in 2015 and it was below market value, which is amazing for London, really. I mean, if there's, that's the only way I can think of that you could get a bargain in London is by a murderer's flat. Uh, I guess if it had been a house, it would have been sort of torn down because it was a flat. I'm just trying to think if I would live in one where I knew. I think I could live in a house if they were like... Because pretty much most houses you buy, someone's died in it. Um, Maybe I could live in a house if I knew there'd been a murder. I don't think I could live in a house knowing that every fucking crevice has had human remains shoved in it. I'd also be worried that because it was so high profile people would want come to come to your see. house looking. Oh yeah, because everyone knows Fuckers that like address. Fuckers like you would come and knock on the door. Can we see? Which is always such an anti I mean, I've not done it, but like... It's just going to look like a normal flat, isn't it? Yeah, you go somewhere, you're like, oh, this is the house where this person was born. Yep. Yeah, like, what now? Like, unless they've got a decent gift shop, it's going to be pretty disappointing. <laughs> it's almost like you're half expecting them to have, like, written a personal note on the wall and, like, oh, I found something new, some new information. I mean, you would check those floorboards, though, wouldn't you, if you moved in? Yeah. Just in case. Uh, so, in 2001, 
uh, Nilsson, this is the last known thing about him, made a complaint that images and articles from the gay pornography he was ordering were being removed before they were given to him. Oh, dear God. So he was pissed off about that. I think they You'd just like, tough shit. You do something to fuck with him, like, I'm going to replace, like, Photoshop all your gay porn so it's all fat, bloaty bodies. <laughs> because we know you hate that. Yeah. I also, I heard something about that he would put makeup on himself, like, before the murders, he would like to put makeup on himself so that he looked like a corpse. Or oh, a deviant. And <laughs> an interview that he was saying that, like, I, was try- I wasn't trying to make myself look dead i was trying to make me look different from myself but i hadn't i couldn't find many solid sources on this so if you have if anyone else has heard the makeup rumor let me know because i'd be interested to see if his skills are up to par with sharon needles (laughs) yeah so that's ellis lawson So, as we mentioned before, we have set up a Patreon and you can donate money to our podcast and you will get certain rewards uh, for donations. So, there's going to be a bit of new content and there's um, some other stuff that you can see. So, if you go to www.patreon.com forward slash slaughter the pod, the same as our Twitter handle, you can find us or you can go on the app to Patreon and just type us in and we should come up. Um, and you can give to our podcast if you should lo- like to. We're going to use the money to set up some merchandise so you can wear our ugly mugs all over your, your breasts and torsos. Just as Ed Gein would have wanted. <laughs> and shout out to Holly Andrew, who was our first Patreon subscriber. Yay! Snaps for Holly! <laughs> uh, yeah, so if you do donate, thank you very much. Um, if you don't, we'd love a review. Uh, and... Um, Happy New Year. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.